Welcome to Becoming the Ultimate Coach. I am the Jock. This is the Doc. And with our combined expertise in both fitness and psychology, we're here today to help you become the ultimate coach. So today we're talking about overcoming barriers to change. And why this is so important is because a lot of us fitness professionals understand the exercise science, understand the nutrition science, but this part, the behavior science, the, the, the obstacles to overcome, that's what's super important. So Dr. J, kind of break it down. What do trainers need to think about when they're, when they're having these issues with clients? Yeah, so obviously, if you've worked with people at all in this field, you know that they have these goals, they wanna mm -hmm. make these changes, but the execution part of it is kind of where we see that lag, right? Especially if you're not with them, like outside the gym. So these are, so something is in the way of that change. And what we typically see, and I want people to kind of think about, is clients will talk to us about like, oh, well, I forgot my water bottle at home, or my significant other keeps cooking, making baking goods, let's say, and I'm trying to lose weight and it's just really hard. And so we have conversations with them. But the big thing to think about with, with these barriers is the first thing we have to do is help our clients actually label them. And what I mean by that is the example of left, leaving my water bottle at home, that's just a specific example. But what they're really talking about is time, for example, and a lack of time, or it's not built into their schedule. Others might be uh, financial, like I just, I, I know I could buy healthier food, but it's more expensive. Or um, the example of if your significant other is doing a lot of baking and you're trying to resist, that's social support. That's what we're really talking about. And the last one that I like to talk about is emotional support. And that sometimes has to do with themselves. Are they emotionally beating themselves up? But if we label in those, one of those, for example, those four areas, then we can start getting creative and having a better conversation. When we dive super deep into the nitty gritty, then it's almost like solving that one thing and then the next one, the next one, and we're not really addressing the overall barrier. Yeah, I think it's such a big thing to address because I know for myself as a, a younger coach and a lot of younger coaches I talk to, it's very frustrating because you're like, I'm having the same conversations over and over <laughs> again. Yeah. Like they come to me, they say they wanna change, and I'm just trying to improve their water intake, but they're not even doing that. Exactly. And so by, by learning some of these things, and this is what a lot of learned from Dr. J, is, is by figuring out these steps, we can improve that. Now, I also like to take a step back in, um, I have a lot of empathy towards my clients in the sense of, I am super glad that they're, sh super glad that they're showing up, that they're putting in the effort, and that they're consistently coming back. And I might give them a strategy, and they might only do it a couple of days out of the week. I really celebrate that. Because most of the people that we're working with, they're busy. They have jobs, they have families, yeah. they have all these ingrained habits that they're trying to change. Exactly. And so a lot of people are beating themselves up enough that they don't need someone else being like, well, you should really do better. If you want this, um, just try harder. You need more willpower. Like they don't need any more of that in their life. <laughs> yeah. um, and so, so really kind of take it the next step further of like how to identify this, um, how to talk with clients with this and like what's your recommendations with that? Yeah, well, I mean, let's just start with this time issue, for example, um, and let's just break down these four areas, okay. but I'll start with time and then see what you think. With time, a lot of times people, you'll hear this, right? Like, I don't have time, or I'm so busy, or every day is different, and I just don't know where I'm going to fit this in. And so, okay, we know it's about time. Then the next level is sort of like, well, what is the issue with time? Is it not built into the routine? Is that the challenge? Uh, is it something that they need to swap within their uh, routine and that might make it a more efficient? 
or is it something that they need to double up? So can they get their steps in while they're at their son's soccer practice? And so while they're doing their thing on the field, can you walk around? Is there space where you can take a walk, get those steps in, do some movement, things like that? So whatever it is, or um, I don't have time in the morning and I'm always forgetting things, right? Well, change up that routine the night before, stick it in your car, have it all there, those types of things. What do you see with your clients? So one good example for this, when I think of uh, the time is, I think of ratios. Uh, and this is something I actually learned from like Ian King when he was talking about the, um, the ratios of flexibility for adults. So instead of, 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 if it's a client that's trying to improve their flexibility, it's not like, okay, add it on an extra hour of stretching. It's more of change the ratio because if you get someone in that's already doing some sort of training and they're doing like two or three hours of that, yep. um, instead of just doing like the three hours strength training, we might do like, okay, let's do one and a half hours of strength training and one and a half hours of the flexibility stuff. Yep. And not that we have to do that forever, but um, and, and changing up those ratios because like this is time you already have carved out doing something. And a lot of my clients are doing some sort of activity, whether they're getting some walks in or they're running or they're going to yoga or they're doing some strength training. And then when we're trying to figure out the balance for that, it's more thinking ratio wise of instead of adding more on top of this because you're always very busy, maybe we need to cut down a little bit on one to increase the other for a period of time and see how much that improves and then reevaluate from there. And it is no surprise to me at all that you like this ratio thing, because mm -hmm. if you work with Scott, it's about numbers um, and that's his happy place. So that, that, that doesn't surprise me at all. But I really like that because most people have a lot packed in their day. And so we're really looking at, like you said, it it's functionally replacing part of something. It's not that all or nothing approach, but it's exchanging something for something else and starting to build that in and then eventually just finding that balance. Um, the other one is financial. So when people think of like, oh, healthy food is more expensive, yeah. for example, or I looked at these meal plans or these meal prep places and the food's got good macros and things like that, but it is expensive for the whole family. Again, it's reminding people, is it an all or nothing? Like, what are you spending? Let's say, let's say you're trying to reduce some of your wine consumption or your weekend margaritas with the friends and or the Starbucks, right? It, you don't have to have a pre-prepared meal for every single meal during the week, right? But where are those exchanges? Maybe like two lunches out of the week. If two lunches get better and we're working on weight loss or just eating a little healthier, that's two lunches better than ever before. And if there's an exchange there, so it's just helping people break down um, how to think about their finances and how to apply that um, to their goals. Yeah, and I think this comes back to like being very clear on what the goal is for these people. And, and making sure that we're measuring over time with that because uh, we're, we're big on minimal effective dose. So if someone comes in and their goal is to lose some weight and we've changed up a few, a few things nutrition wise um, and they're seeing those results, that doesn't mean they have to change out everything. That doesn't mean we need to change it out, like you said, every single meal yep. throughout, the, throughout the week. And you know, sometimes it's, it's working with clients on what they're already doing. Like I have a few clients that are already eating out fast food so instead of being like, well, go to this other restaurant that's a lot more expensive, we just pull up the menu for their fast food place, find something that's a little healthier, a Great point. definitely yep. less in calories. So it's already an ingrained habit that they're doing. Yep. We'll just find a, a better choice for that. I actually played this and it'll game. it'll probably cost the same too, right? Yeah, well, I actually played this game with a client yesterday, um, and he was getting a double cheeseburger from Wendy's and chicken nuggets. Um, his fat content for, the, for both of them ended up being around 80-some, wow. and that was just for one meal, meal. for the day. 
And yeah. so I'm like, well, the, the, the beauty is we have a lot of room here <laughs> to, to, to make improvements. To scale down a little bit, yeah. um, So all we need to do is just change out a couple of things. And cost-wise, it won't definitely won't be any more. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's just playing that game with clients. Instead of, you know, like I would say earlier on as a coach, it's like, well, just eat paleo, just eat meat and nuts and, and, and vegetables and stuff like that. that. That's not super helpful for a lot of people because, you know, it's going from, it's changing a lot of habits. And this is what Dr. J taught me of, of a lot of times when we're changing habits, sometimes when you make a recommendation, that recommendation might sound simple, but it's changed a lot of things. So having someone like, well, just eat meat and vegetables. Like, well, where do I go and get that? Does that mean I have to go to the store and buy that? Does that mean I have to cook that? Does that mean I need to reheat it and plant it? Like there's four or five things I need to change versus having someone like, here's something better for you to ch pick at, at Wendy's where you already have it kind of ingrained in there. Yeah, exactly. And I also just want to highlight too that this is a great example of why we want to label it. Is it financial? Yeah. Because if, if it, we didn't label it, right, and you're just talking to this person about there, and then they might be like, yeah, but on Tuesdays I tend to go to McDonald's, and on Fridays I tend to go to the sub shop, then you would be playing this mental game about like, well, which place and what, and that area is too expensive. Or if it's talking about just going out, like to drive through fast food, is okay, we don't need to spend more money. You don't have to change your restaurants in general. We just need to pick better off that menu. So that makes a clear and easier thing for that person to remember is I don't have to think about what I'm doing on Monday and what I'm doing on Wednesday and what I'm doing on Friday. I just need to think about what I'm ordering when I go to any of these places yeah. and do I just have a couple of options. So that's also where that, what I call macro, that theme, helps you have much more constructive and efficient conversations instead of something about every single part that they're concerned about. So social, and I kind of highlighted this one earlier when I was giving the overall, is where are you getting your social support? Whether some of us are wired that we need that encouragement, that attention, that celebration, people um, really noticing change and where they're, we're either tracking it and sharing it with others. You see this on a lot of the apps where not only can you track your progress on something, but you can share with friends. So some people really enjoy and need that. Other people really do want somebody to check in with them. Like, how's it going today? Or um, um, are you getting your movement in? Or, you know, did you skip the ice cream section at the store? Whatever it is, they want some of that. And so if I know that social and the lack of social support is a barrier, then I don't have to dive way deep down into their marriage and about the spouse's propensity to cook certain foods or things like that. But it's just where could you get it elsewhere if not there? So is it checking in on an app with the coach? Is it sharing with other friends at work that have some similar goals, things like that? Is it being part of a walking group or going to a cooking class with some people and learning some things? So that allows you as a fitness professional to understand that they're saying like, I don't feel supported and this is, re and I feel all alone and it's really hard for me to do by myself. Now I can have a broader conversation about that instead of kind of, like I said, stressing out about like, well, how do I say, yeah, your spouse not all that helpful. Yeah. Um, so I really like that one for that. And this one can be tough because I do have some clients come in and they're like, well, my, my wife made these cookies or she did this kind yeah. of deal. Um, and we, we break this down in earlier sessions, um, podcast, where we're talking about, um, you know, root cause of behaviors and getting into the, the eats model that we use, which we dive into escape, attention, tangible and sensory. And so this is kind of in the, that attention category. Yep. So if we can find things that they can do together, that they yep. still get that social, um, 
you know, experience together, but exactly. kind of move it away from food. And, and I've, I've talked about this with my, my wife a lot because it's, it's amazing because so many family things we go to, it's so centered around the food. food yeah. But it's just, it's just this kind of ingrained thing of, of over generations, especially coming from like some of the previous generations when they didn't have much. Yeah. Like my dad talking about like, they got to split a soda with their, you know, one of their brothers, yep. you know, once a week kind of deal. And like now people have access to all this all the time. And so it's, it's such a, a strong um, kind of social thing. So if you can figure out those things that you can do with your, you know, your roommates or loved ones that you live with and stuff like that, that don't involve any food at all, that exactly. you can still have that social experience, it still scratches that itch but without adding a lot of calories yeah, at the same time. Exactly. Um, and the last one is emotional. And this one is really when you start to hear language about, this is tough, I don't think I can do it, I've tried that in the past, things like that. And if they identify like, I'm struggling with believing in myself, or I'm tending to sabotage myself, or I'm worried that I'm gonna do okay for a few days and then I'm gonna drop you know, the ball, or I did last week. And, and you brought this up before, it's celebrating those small wins. Yep. So what happens, and I've talked about this before, is um, since we use those mirror neurons and we tend to mirror people, when someone says like, oh, I'm no good at this, we might be like, well, you're doing okay. You just, you need to up this a little bit more. And so we start having a conversation about the thing that the person has identified that they're not good at. So what you wanna do is be mindful to, to flip that a little bit. And in, I don't want you to necessarily ignore somebody's emotional state on that negativity, but you can lead the conversation so that they mirror the positivity. In other words, say, I'm hearing you, but what I also know is that you did do it twice last week, which was two more times than the week before, right? And so you start having the conversations about what they're doing well. And again, I've talked about this in the sense that sometimes I hear, especially on the floor, people having constant conversations about the things that clients are feeling like they're not doing well at. And again, we're trying to be sensitive and responsive, but at the same time, we can lead that conversation to help shift that growth mindset of what can, where am I going with this, as opposed to viewing that negativity, especially if they've got a history of not being successful before. Yeah, and that's why I'm always celebrating the smallest wins because they're trying. Yeah. And, and just like with our kids, we wanna celebrate the effort versus the outcome kind of deal exactly. and over time that will get the outcome that we want. Yeah. And so it's also very important to be regularly checking up with clients if they're not showing up. If, you, if you're doing like a, a, a larger group kind of coaching session, making sure that they're getting that one-on-one -on -one attention. And this is why we're so big on having these one-on-one -on -one private conversations too, because on the gym floor, there's a lot going on. Yes. People are worried about what everyone else is saying. They're, they're trying to survive the workout. So if you can have these regular um, coaching sessions with people, diving into these different areas, you can help people overcome these barriers. Because a lot of people, they have the motivation and willpower to start off, they're showing up, but it falls off pretty quick because they see it doesn't, they, they don't have the habits in place yet, and they don't have the behavior changes. So with our constant uh, reinforcement, making adjustments for them, encouragement, they can get that long-term success. Yeah, and, and again, we're obviously big proponents of taking it off the floor, having these conversations. But even when you are on the floor, let's say you're doing small group training, even just thinking about something individual yeah. as that person walks away of like, 
you really crushed it with this, or I haven't, I've never seen you be so intentional in this, or you were so focused. Any little nuance that says, Scott, you did well on this. Thank you. Janine, of course. Um, well, you already assumed that before I even said it. But it's nice to hear. <laughs> Is it? It is. <laughs> Um, Janine, you did well in this, or Nate, you did well in this, and having some small individual um, type of terms so that somebody walks away and the last exchange, the last impression they had with you is walking away with something that they did well. And that will really help sort of, because then your place and you become a cue for positivity and not beating themselves up, which is ultimately where you've got to start because they've got to believe in you and that you believe in them for those changes to be made. Yeah, absolutely. And so as we wrap this up, this overcoming barriers, um, really think about this of, of helping clients and working with them on identifying like what it actually is and naming it. So you can kind of, you can better troubleshoot what you need to work on. And so, you know, stop beating it up, um, you know, like, you know, is this, we need to do better on nutrition. We need to work out harder. No, no, we might need to just step back and just make a few adjustments for what they're doing so we can we can see some progress. We talk a lot about this behavioral momentum. So if we can build out the behavioral momentum, we're gonna have good long-term success. So hopefully you found this really helpful and um, make sure to let us know, um, drop us a line of anything that you want us to talk about or if you have thoughts on this or experiences, we would love to hear what you guys are experiencing and seeing. And so, subscribe to our podcast channel um, or YouTube, or just, like I said, drop us a line. See you next time.